I'm on the last part of a series on spiritual skills every believer should seek, every person should have. Starting next Sunday, a new series with the start of the new term. Now, that means school holidays will have finished, university break will have ended, everybody will be back. I'm not quite sure where we will put everybody when everybody is back because gatherings are growing. Amen. Yeah, that's clappable for those of you who... For those of you who are here in the 100 only and 500 only and half the venue only, it's really great. Um, So starting next Sunday, a new series together with the new term and a new youth program and a lot of new stuff, exciting new stuff. But today I want to talk to you about the spiritual skill of keeping it simple. The spiritual skill of keeping it simple. It's amazing to me how complicated things are getting. In fact, even coffee has become complicated. Just when I thought I had the top of the range of everything, I now realise I don't have enough of anything. Recently, having a look at uh, how it works, I was quite blown away at the complexity of even making a cup of coffee. Now, you need a sparky thing to mix the coffee when you put it in the thing. (laughs) And then you need a new kind of grinder that makes different kinds of granules for filter, for espresso, for coffee machine, for, I don't know, chewing. Then you can't just, you know, you can't just be uneducated and barbaric and just stick the thing in there. Now you gotta have like a, a, a paper filter. On top of the paper filter, a silver filter. But you can't just have any silver filter. You should have one, a, a, a mesh. You should have one with your initial on it, <laughs> if possible. The coffee beans should have been roasted yesterday by your minions. I don't know who is roasting. Within 24 hours, it's got to be, you know, it's got to breathe and then it's got to be analyzed. You definitely have to have a thermostat. You have to have a thermostat to check the heat of the milk that you personally milked, you know, (laughs) from the camel or whatever you keep in your backyard. I don't know what's happening. Why can I just have a cup of... I'm now so anxious about this. I need a cup of coffee to proceed with this conversation. But just when I thought it couldn't get more complicated, there is a new wave of TikTok instructions on how to make instant coffee. Whatever you've been doing with instant coffee, you've been making it wrong. (laughs) According to this new trend, you first have to boil a certain amount of water and put it in with a little bit of the coffee and then stir it until it froths so it looks like proper coffee. Oh, you didn't know that. Listen, if you came here and you're not very spiritual, you've already got so much value out of this service, you should check in and say, provides life skills. You can't do long life milk, although I'm convinced that all milk is actually a long life milk. But anyway, you can't, you can't use that. You've got to boil it at a certain temperature and then let it come off the boil and wait a minute and put it two minutes, maybe three, so it doesn't burn the granules. And then you, it, does that not violate the definition of instant coffee? Is that no longer instant? Like when it takes eight minutes and nine steps, 
I don't know if that's instant anymore. Everything is becoming complicated. Definitions are getting extended and things are becoming unclear. But actually one of the most beautiful things about spiritual life is that Jesus cuts through all of that and makes it simple. Even the whole Old Testament, which was ultimately summarized in 10 commandments, Jesus came and said, I don't think you're gonna get the 10 to remember the 10, let's make it two. Love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's the simplicity, not the complexity that makes Christ so powerful. And it's unfortunate that we've been trained into living a life that's being taught to us as a complicated thing. Things don't have to be complicated. They are being forced onto us as something complicated. And Jesus, God, and the Word of God needs to come back into our lives and declutter all of that and simplify things. Can we have an amen on keeping it simple? James chapter five from the Amplified says, the first instruction might be all some, some people need to hear. Uh, above all, my fellow believers do not swear. Let's pause for effect. I, feel, I knew there was a comma coming, didn't surprise me. Either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be a truthful yes and your no be a truthful no, so that you may not fall under judgment. One of the translations says that you don't get condemned. This passage of Scripture isn't talking about swearing like using rude words, although it's a good idea to, to limit those, but it's, it's talking about making promises you can't keep. It's making vows. It's, it's, it's promising things and they're not getting to them. And then he goes on and says in the book of James, let your yes be a truthful yes. Now that, that it's, it's wonderful that you, you know a, a little Greek, me. And then, <laughs> that is such an old joke. Did you really? Did I have not told it to you recently? It says, old as why Greeks don't play soccer. So, so, so if you know how to finish that sentence, you must repent at the end of the service for your, but, but it, it, the, the Greek for a truthful, it means an unreserved yes. You see, a complicated life is created when we have yes, but to everything. No, but to everything. The, the, the challenge of having a, an uh, obstacle to unreserved commitment creates a life that seems very complicated. I want to tell you that I don't think this life has become any more complicated than it was uh, decades ago or centuries ago. It is still the simplicity of love God, love one another. It is still the simplicity of some things are spiritual and some things are sinful. It is still the simplicity of walking in the fullness of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Anything other than that starts to pack on weight, unnecessary weight in your lives. Amen. There's a, there's a phrase, I guess you probably all, all, all know. Uh, it's been used either to you or by you. Uh, uh, don't be sorry, be. Be better. Don't be sorry, be better. Don't be, have you not used that yet? Okay, you have my permission to use it just once today, but just once, okay? So if somebody says, oh, I'm sorry, I, you know, I, I'm, you, you, you're allowed to just once say, don't be sorry, be better. But any more than once, and you could, you, uh, yeah, I, I will be blamed. But 
2 Corinthians, I'll tell you why I refer to that in a minute. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10 from the message says this, the world is unprincipled and Jesus is calling somebody. Is, is he calling you, Peter? It's your alarm. I know which alarm, intermittent fasting alarm. Peter has lost 27 kgs in like a year. Yeah, 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 intermittent fasting alarm. I hope you also wrote down some Bible verses I've been teaching over the last lot. I know you have, Peter, I know you have. Two Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 3. The world is unprincipled. It's doggy dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair. But we don't live, uh, we don't live our fight uh, or fight our battles that way. Never have, never will. The tools of our trade aren't uh, for making, for marketing or manipulating but they are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, uh, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. That is a good, if we were still highlighting, if you even knew what that was, I would tell you to highlight that verse. That is, it's a, it's a copy-paste verse. Copy it into your notes. Because what's so powerful about that verse is this idea that just because that's how everyone else is doing it. Doesn't mean that's how we've got to do it. We've got God-inspired, uh, God-given, powerful tools to tear down an unstructured, complicated uh, uh, life uh, of loose thoughts and emotions, and we put them all into something structured. Ever been in a conversation with someone and they say something that made you think, that came out of nowhere? That just came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting that. That's what happens when you don't let Christ take all the threads of your life and put them all together. You start landing up with loose emotions and loose thoughts and, and loose feelings. But Jesus will set you free from that. And if it doesn't fit in, he'll cut it out. And there is something remarkable about having Jesus purge everything in our lives so that they work in some kind of a functional way. In fact, I haven't put it up on the screen, but there's a passage of Scripture I absolutely love in Hebrews chapter 12. It tells us that, especially in the message translation, it says that we should strip down of every weight that easily entangles us and run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That we should be careful not to be trapped or entangled in things and then lose our enthusiasm. That verse goes on to say that when you let Jesus clear the path for you and remove the obstacles and tidy up your loose thoughts and your loose emotions, then it'll shoot adrenaline through your soul. You know why you're tired? You're not tired because you're old. Thank you. There's a few amens. And you're not tired because you're busy. And you're not tired because of your, your kids. Okay, dangerous statement. Uh, let me, let me rewind, let me, I wrote an article for the Herald newspaper, it's coming out in a week or two, it's titled, I'm worried about the kids. And in the next phrase I have to say, brave words for, from a guy who doesn't have kids. But, but it's about uh, my concern 
that we are the, the, this generation, my generation, the, the, the 30 somethings, the 40 somethings, we are too scared to take our faith and teach it to the next generation. We are intimidated to do so. And as a result, we have moved from an orphan generation of the previous to the abandoned generation. We abandoned them with the iPad and now we're too scared to talk about to them now that they're adults. I mean, it's a whole separate conversation, different sermon. Come back for that one. I, I want to encourage you to have the confidence to know that the reason why we feel drained is not because of what we have to do. It's because of all the things that we carry that we either shouldn't have done or haven't wrapped up doing or haven't let Christ purge. It's loose thoughts and loose feelings. Still connected to someone who's walked away, but your emotions haven't caught up. Still have things you have to do, but you just don't get to it. And so the picture of a vision seems far away because the picture of today seems so cluttered and so messy. And Christ comes to simplify all of that. Our soul needs to be simplified as much as our environments and our career paths and our relationships. Keep it simple. Christ first above all else. Can you say amen to that? Really got to keep it simple. In fact, in fact, the Bible has a conversation about a, a phrase about what happens when Christians, especially, don't keep it simple. And Christians are making things more complicated than even half the people in the world, just adding more complexity to things. That phrase that caught me off guard when I first read it as a young believer is in the book of Galatians. It's the phrase to be bewitched. A bewitched believer. I mean, that sounds very hectic. And, you know, you're tempted to think, well, there's a demons, you know, what is it? Um, and, and let me just tell you, this is conversations come up recently. There totally are demons out there. There's no doubt in my mind. You've got to see some evil to know that its source is not human condition. It's beyond. And there are things that we, we should consider and, and pray into and so on. But this bewitching is something else. It's in the book of Galatians and it talks about what happens where you try to hold on to your faith, but other shiny things keep catching your attention. Other shiny... I, I, I've mentioned this before. I've got two dogs. Uh, one's definitely a pit bull and the other one wants to be. And, and I don't take them on walks. People ask me if I take my pit bulls on walks. I don't. I don't take them on walks for a few reasons. First of all, I'm concerned that at some stage during the walk, I will violate the verse that says, do not swear. <laughs> and we just read it and I, I, I don't have the energy for that. And you may wonder why. And that is because my dog is totally obedient to my voice all the time until they see anything. <laughs> Is there anything more dehumanizing and embarrassing than standing outside of your own gate and calling out to your dog to come back, <laughs> knowing full well, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> they saw a butterfly. They saw a tsetse fly. They saw a cat. Who knows? I have a neighbour across the road who used to breed rabbits. Rabbits. They saw rabbits. And there you're standing, Stasia! And all your neighbours know very well, my little Greek man, you better get in your car and start following that dog because that dog ain't coming back on its own. And there the Christians are. They listen to the voice of the Lord at all times until something, they see something else. 
something shiny, something out there, something fancy, something wealthy, something cool, something online. And Jesus is going, George. (laughs) And then he's got to do what I had to do. He's got to leave the 99 and go fetch George because George is drifting, caught up by some shiny thing somewhere. Galatians chapter 3, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Just in case you thought I was making it up, it's literally there. That passage of Scripture goes on to say that the concern was you started in the Spirit, now you're trying to finish in your own flesh. But this idea of don't let things bewitch you. Don't let, thing, don't, don't let trinkets entice you. Don't let, don't let comparisons trap you. Don't let shiny stuff out there deceive you. It's not so shiny when you have it. And there is a temptation to accumulate an unnecessary amount of things. And one of the most powerful things about a spiritual life is simply allowing Christ to declutter those things in our lives. Uh, Mark chapter 8. I'm going to skip a bit uh, production, if you don't mind. Uh, Could you jump to Mark 8? I I wanted to have a conversation with you about horsepower, but not today. Maybe tonight. I keep doing that, trying to make you come back tonight. I know, I'm, I'm trying. Mark chapter 8, verse 34, NIV. It's titled in the New International Version, The Way of the Cross. Then he, um, then he called the crowd, just like I was talking about calling to him, along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. I use this passage of scripture because the source of all complication in our lives is when we don't deny ourselves. Christ isn't the complicated part of my life. I am the complicated part of my life. (laughs) God holy in here. You know that phrase, it's not you, it's me. In our walk with Jesus, it's it's not him, it's me. And the reason why the world is getting complicated is because we don't believe in self-denial anymore. You have to say no to yourself. Can we have an amen? I got to say to my dog, no. I remember how many times, you know, I had this, I was saying to Stefan, the electric guitarist friend, uh, I was saying, oh, I've got this kitchen and outside the kitchen, I've got a great little patch. I'm going to, you know, grow Greek salad. Um, which thankfully does not include lettuce. We don't understand lettuce. Uh, in, 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 in the Mediterranean, lettuce will wither to death on the first day. Like 41 degrees lettuce back home to Jesus. And I thought, okay, well, that's what I'll do. I'll do it, you know, not just down by the guests. I'll do it on the side. I forgot about something. I, I have two pit bulls. I planted. I had a wonderful time. And there they roamed through it. Smelling this one and peeing on that one. <laughs> Sorry, that's too much, too, much, too much info. Anyway, you're all welcome to come around for salad. Got lovely salad <laughs> by my house. It's an open invitation. And if I ever offer you tomatoes, because I've got too many. Pray, saints, pray. We, we are the problem. 
I won't read the whole chapter, uh, the whole section I intended to, but because I have four points I want to share with you and I'm mindful of the time. But Genesis chapter four, you know, Genesis chapter three, Adam and Eve, uh, failure of relationship kicked out the garden. Genesis chapter four, Cain and Abel. It's often bothered me why God didn't accept Cain's offering. Abel, who was a, um, a farmer, offered to God a lamb. Cain, who was rather a, a hunter, offered to God a lamb. Cain, on the other hand, grew vegetables and offered to God a bit of what he had left. And I thought it, it seems awkward that God accepted the one and did not accept the other. What is that all about? Until you realize that it was very clear in the instruction that when you want to rebuild your relationship with me, it has to be through the offering of an animal that is sacrificed. Because Jesus was start, God was starting this conversation about what's in your blood, right? Adam and Eve had pure blood, sinless. Then they sinned and sin entered the bloodline. And then you had to sacrifice something with blood to say, I'm trying to purge what's going on in my, in my heart, right? And so he just didn't follow the instruction. He took a simple instruction and made it complicated. And because of that, God said, that's not how we're going to do this. That's not how we're starting this thing. That's not how we're starting that relationship. We, we, I'm not accepting that. And I, just, I want to encourage you, please, please don't have a twist to every instruction. Don't have a twist to every instruction. Now, I spoke to a friend recently about this who is asking, not permission, but like, blessing, I guess. George, you know, uh, this woman in my life and everything about her is right. But, you see the part? But, but, I love the wording. Only a Christian can think like this. She doesn't know she's saved yet. I said, well, the Lord visited us in the back there. <laughs> now, if I was a charismatic church, the Spirit of the Lord, we are, we are charismatic, we're spirit-filled, we're spirit-filled. Uh, um, I said, so who does know she's saved? Like, if she, if she doesn't know she's saved, who knows? He said, I know. Well, ob obviously, it fits with your plans. You, you, you've got a plan with a twist. Now, that, now let me tell you what's going to happen. It's going to get complicated. In a few weeks' time, you're going to say to me, look, uh, you know, we're not going to come to church. Like, I've got to go visit her family, and they're not church people. And then now and then, you know, if I can get her to come along, she'll come to church. So now what's easy, now it's become complicated. And then when you visit the house, you can't pray grace there. But this way you can pray grace. You've got to remember which house you're in. So don't make a mess of it. Now, uh, the complexity is increased and the joy is reduced. And your authority, see, complexity diminishes authority. When I'm clear, I can have authority. When I'm not clear, I've got, I've got to be a bit calmer. I lose my authority because I made it complicated. And I want to encourage you not to let the devil uh, trick you into complexity. Instead, to maintain simplicity. God bless you.
Uh, that was a very uncomplicated sneeze. <laughs> so I want to share with you um, four, uh, just four points on how God, uh, how the Bible and God teaches us to simplify. The first is a laser focus. A laser focus. You know, <clears throat> uh, this, um, this phrase, this uh, um, terminology, became a big thing when I was at university. Uh, both as a student and as a believer, preaching and teaching, uh, students would say, the problem with Christians is that you're so narrow-minded. You need to be more open-minded. Uh, let me just tell you the problem with that. Uh, there are some things that you should be open-minded about, and then there are some things you can only successfully do if you are laser-focused. Now, one person might call it narrow-minded, but sometimes it's just focus. You know, if you're shooting at a target with a gun, even two eyes are too many. <laughs> you've got to close one eye, <laughs> and you've got to magnify one dot, and you've got to go where I'm going. Now, if you in your life aren't planning on hitting any targets, no problem. Be as open-minded as you like. But if you in your life are planning on hitting some targets, marriage targets, financial targets, personal development targets, business targets, you better close one eye and focus with a laser focus in one place and pull the trigger on that and, and forget the rest. You have to do that. You're going to have to do that. You can't, seem, you, know, it's, you can't seamlessly fit in with you know, gangster business and then seamlessly fit in with you know, Christian business and then seamless. You can't do that. You, you've got eyes on too many things. You just need to shut some eyes and you just need to look forward and, and have laser focus or else it's going to get complicated. We used to teach young people when they get into relationships, go into every relationship with both eyes wide open. Once you get married, keep them half closed. <laughs> that's, that's how you make a good marriage. Most people get into relationships, eyes half closed, then they get married and open their eyes. Ah, what have I done? Don't do that. Laser focus. James 5, also from the message. What a gift. Life is to those who stay the course. You've heard, of course, of Job's staying power. And you know how God brought uh, it all together for him at the end. That's because God cares. Cares right down to the last detail. Job was focused. His wife telling him to end his suffering didn't distract him. His friends leaving him didn't distract him. His business not going so well, public embarrassment for being a follower and things falling apart didn't distract him. Laser focus. I will love God. I will honor God. And what did God do? He pulled it all together in the end because God cares about everything down to the last detail and he will not be mocked. He will not be marked. Laser focus. I know I keep attacking this, but in a world of include all opinions, we might land up with none. The hardest menu for me to order from is a big menu. 
Just give me two pastas, two pizzas, you know, when, <laughs> when a pizza menu comes on three pages. Normal, speciality, special. I'm like, I don't know what to do, I'm, I don't know what to do here. I start getting confused. I want, I want lamb, maybe as a meal, but I could put it on a pizza. Then it's a pizza and a lamb. And I mean, that's a Greek dish right there. I don't know what that is. You're, you're confused by the over... You know what you got to do? Joshua's statement, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In fact, I did that scripture in my men's group the other day. The verse before that says, now that we've entered into this land, this promised land, and you've met other people with other opinions and other gods, the next verse says, if serving the Lord is no longer desirable to you. If you've met some new people and they've got some new ways and you've said to yourself, let me try that out. Joshua said, let me tell you what I'm gonna tell you. If that seems undesirable, one thing you mustn't do, don't mix it with Christianity. Then choose this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm not meeting new people and then doing new things. And then trying to complicate it all and blend it all. The Greeks were so worried about that and Mars's Hill in the book of Acts. They were so worried. They met so many people in their empires. They put everything, all the gods out there and they, then, then one Greek guy had a thought. What if we've left one out? And he's angry. So they put one more statue up and they called it to the unknown God. To the God we're still gonna figure out. You know what the spiritual significance of that story is? When you add too many gods you land up not knowing one. The title of you becomes to the unknown God. And I want to encourage you, laser focus. Okay, I'm in the red. I'm in the red territory. I've got a, I've got a long way to go. Le- leader focused. Leader focused. You know, the, um, things get complicated when nobody's in charge. Ask parents. Ask CEOs of a company. Ask any environment where there's more than one. When somebody's not in charge, things fall apart. And in our personal lives, things get complicated when we don't have somebody in charge. Jesus needs to be the head over your life. It just takes the complexity away. Do you know the the wonderful thing? All married people use this phrase, and it's a wonderful phrase. I've even used it falsely myself. If you've been invited somewhere and you're not 100% sure you want to go, what do you say? I'll ask the... It was interesting to hear some of your responses. Some of you said, I'll ask the wife, but a few of you said the right thing. I'll ask the boss. I'll ask the missus. I'll ask them. Why? You can say, well... I'm not, I can't make the decision all by myself. I'll get back to you. You know? On things that come into your life, let me tell you the best thing you could say. I'm gonna just check with the Lord. When he, when he is our, he leads over us. He leads us beside still waters and to green pastures. He's not gonna take you complicated places. The spirit of this world will. Amen. Colossians chapter 2. I'm almost done. Colossians chapter 2, uh, 9 and 10. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, 
or a horoscope to realise the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without Him. When you come to Him, that fullness comes together for you too. His power extends over everything. Amen? And in this season where the telescopes are better than they've ever been, and the horoscopes are more detailed than they've ever been, and the microscope can go further than it ever can, you're not going to find anything there that'll put your life together like finding Jesus Christ as head over your life. I found it interesting listening to one of the great scientists we all see online. I won't mention his name, but Neil was saying, with a new telescope, you know. I've watched the phrases people are using. Now that we can see everything, we know there is no God. But now we've seen so much that we've realised there's more we haven't seen. We all have a horizon, he said the other day. And like years ago, the ships used to say the horizon was the end of the world and then we realised it wasn't. Now we realise we have a horizon on the stars and beyond the horizon, there might be something. But this side of the horizon, we used to think that's all there is. Let me tell you, you don't need any more information to know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you need Him to lead you. Amen. Okay, two more things. I'll be really quick. You need a lesson-focused life. You know how you unclutter your life? Learn the lesson, move on. Don't write the same exam more than once. I mean... Where possible, you know? Learn the lesson, move on. Philippians 3, from, also from the message. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience His resurrection power, be a partner in His suffering and go all the way with Him to death itself. Go all out. And then finally, because I want to end at 10 past, finally, a, a lifestyle focus. And here's what I mean by that. I've realised I need to filter everything I see, read, hear and watch through this one filter. Is this going to change my life or not? Is there anything I can do with this? Because eventually you'll be a repository of information, but none of it will change your life. Thank you, Lord, for giving me content that changes my life. 1 John 5 says, every God-born person conquers the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. The person who wins out over the world's ways is simply the one who believes Jesus is the Son of God. We all have to sort of conquer it, this overwhelming invasion of, of stuff. We have to conquer it and keep it simple. My goal this morning has been to encourage you that no matter how complicated they say things are, it doesn't have to be true. And it doesn't have to be true for you. In the end, we'll land up at that great simple song, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And there is a danger of taking beauty and turning it into complexity. And when you have complexity, you lose authority. You keep it simple 
by denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Christ. Can you say amen to that? Would you please stand with me? Let's pray. We have people uh, making their way to the front to make themselves available to pray for you. But please uh, don't go if you feel like something has impacted you and you, and you would like prayer. Uh, we, we are literally available for that and want to encourage you but, uh, to, to stick around for it. But to, uh, in this moment, in this minute or two, I'd like to pray with you. I'm going to ask the Lord to just strip away the complexity and to walk us into simplicity. If you are planning on coming tonight, uh, I'm doing a different message, and I've titled it, Your Life in One Line. Your Life in One Line. Figuring out a vision statement over your life. So Lord, thank you for your word today. Thank you for clarity of Scripture. Thank you for clarity of the Spirit. Lord, will you teach us to, to walk away from complexity, and clutter in the name of Jesus. Lord, where we've been saying it's complicated, we rebuke that spirit. And we commit to saying, it is just this simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbour as you love yourself. Will you please teach us to keep it simple. And I'll try and make it so clever that it just becomes clutter in Jesus' name. So, so while we're still here, would you mind keeping your eyes closed for another minute or two? Uh, great coffee is waiting and I promise you we're going to keep it simple coffee. The best in town. But I don't know you all and I feel like I should ask this question that if you're here and um, you, you have explored or inquired about the faith and or even educated yourself about it. But you haven't you know, made that little leap, like make it official. Like, okay, I get enough of it. I don't know it all, but I get enough of it to be able to say, this is my path in life. It's to follow a spiritual journey with Jesus. I'd like to pray with you. So if that's where you are and you're at that an important moment, like a little intersection. You've got to cross over a line. I'd like to pray with you. And if, if that's where you're at, I've asked everyone to keep their eyes closed for privacy. Would you please raise your hand long enough for me to see it? Uh, and by doing so, saying, will you include me in that prayer? I, I, need to, I, I need to make the decision that that's my path in life. Would you please raise your hand just long enough for me to see it? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I see here on my left and out at the back. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for waving. It makes it easier um, in the light. Thank you. Right at the back, one, two or three, uh, four people, five people. Um, it's just, it's a path you've got to walk. So you're, you're making that commitment. And uh, I, oh, you know, I don't often do this, but if you're brave enough, if you're brave enough, um, would you be willing to slip out and come stand in the front? I just want to pray for you up front. Um, so if you raise your hand, you don't have to come on your own. You can bring your friend or family with it, drag them along, bring your personal belongings. But would you slip out from where you are and just come stand in the front? I want to pray over you. This could be a really significant moment in your personal lives. Church, would you please encourage everybody as they, would you mind doing that? Uh, come on out. I won't embarrass you in any way. I just want to take a moment to acknowledge uh, 
a step. Um, I'm just going to wait a minute as you come on out. So if you didn't put your hand up, but now you're like, okay, this is me. I've got to figure my path in life out. I want you to, I want you to come out anyway. It's okay. You didn't have to do the one to do the other. It just doesn't matter. Would you, would you do that? Thank you. Thank you so much. You want to celebrate that? That's amazing. That's just moments with God. Moments with God. Lord, would you please bless us this week? Would you please lead us this day? I'm going to ask you to please pray a prayer, if you don't mind, out loud. Can we do that together? Is that okay? Uh, and then we're going home. We're going home, I promise you. Uh, uh, load shedding will still be there waiting for you. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I want to pray a prayer out loud. Would you do that? Do just follow after me. I'll say a sentence. You say a sentence. Lord Jesus, I choose today as for me, and my household, we will serve the Lord. Please teach me the paths of righteousness and forgive me for sinful ways. Help my life become spiritually simple in obedience to you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you, everybody, for spending the morning with us. God bless you. If you're up front and you'd like somebody to pray with you, I'd encourage that. If you want me to pray with you, stick around. I'll pray for you, and I'll see the rest of you at the coffee shop. Thank you.